would please turn in your Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We are working our way through 6 through 18. I've got eight points on your outline. I think this is my 10th sermon or 11th sermon. And I haven't finished up point two. Let's pray and then we'll read verses 6 through the end of chapter 3. Father, in this season when we come, we hear so much. We're bombarded by so much. Father, may our hearts and eyes and ears be open to the wonder of you. Father, may we grasp it. May we understand as the Apostle Paul challenges the question, who's adequate? Father, let us rejoice that you have made us adequate servants of the new covenant. Thank you, Lord, for the time. Thank you for bringing families together. Father, thank you for your love that provided so richly with friends and fellowship, family. Father, we praise you for the amazing wonder that you have brought for us this last year. And Father, with a great expectation of the time before us. Father, let us hear our brother Paul here. May I not be heard. May your spirit in the hearts of your people strengthen us for the task at hand. In Christ's name, amen. Beginning in verse 6, who has made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death and letters engraved on stones came with glory, so the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because the glory of his face fading as it was. How will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened for until this very day the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Lord, the Spirit. I began this text uh, a number of weeks ago. I shared with you that um, 
one of my heart's passions as a pastor, as a brother in Christ, was to proclaim this text. I cannot think of any text in Holy Writ that I had a greater desire to preach. Therefore, I'm going to take my time through it. I've been in this church as the senior pastor now for about 16 or 17 years, and I've been building to this text. So get used to it. (laughs) What else can I say? What the Apostle Paul is giving you and I this day in 2010 is a contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Between the law and grace. All right. And and one of the things that I have seen happen, I have had people tell me, they said, well, Terry, you're supposed to be giving the whole counsel of God. Why don't you ever preach out of the Old Testament? Well, Paul says here that I am a servant of the New Covenant. That would be the New Testament. Is the Old Testament relative? Yeah, absolutely. But I want to share with you, when you think about the Old Covenant, when you think about the Mosaic Law, I want you to think about it in this way. It comes in three parts. All right. One is the civil law, Deuteronomy. How are you to act when you get to this land that I have promised you? I want you to be separate from the world. Okay. But I want you to affect the world. All right. I want people to look at you in a literal Hebrew, is it? I, I want people to look at you as peculiar. All right. And if you look at the Jewish dietary laws, the Sabbath, the festivals and the feasts and all the rest of it, you and I would all agree that's peculiar, especially like if you had ham yesterday. All right. I love being a Gentile. Well, I do. And. They were to be different. But what he wanted, what God was doing with the civil part of the Mosaic law was to protect Israel from paganism. And if you go through the books of the Old Testament, especially Judges, you'll see it worked for a while and it fell apart for a while and it worked for a while and it fell apart for a while and, and it was banging and all the rest of it. But you'll see how they were influenced and how it, every time they were influenced from the world, it was disastrous. All right. Second part of the Mosaic law is what we call the moral law. You and I know this. Um, it's basic principle is the Ten Commandments. Right. I mean, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And I would even argue that if you just did that one, you don't have to worry about the rest of them. Okay, loving your neighbor as yourself will be simple if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But there are other things that you see in the Mosaic writings that deal with, that that are not listed in the Ten Commandments, but are still offensive. Okay, I love history. It's a fatal flaw of mine. And and one of the things that I have watched in history is you want to see God's judgment and you want to see it really fast. Okay, mess with pride. Okay, you will see that pride is a sin. Now, it's not listed in the Ten Commandments, but why were Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden? You eat of this, you will know as God knows. What is that? Pride. Pride. Nebuchadnezzar. Look what I built. 
God said, look what I did. <laughs> You're about to get your a life supply of fiber. But anyway, see, that's the kind of stuff that you and I have to pay attention to. It is in there. Then the last part of it is, is the ceremonial law. Ceremonial law is the offerings, the incense. Uh, when do you give? How much do you give? Tithe this, tithe that, and all the rest of it. Okay, now, if you're truly honest with Scripture, at the death and the resurrection of Christ, how's the civil law work? It's obsolete. You read it just now. Nate just read it out of the 10th chapter. He says, do you not know? There's Jew, Gentile, and the church. There's not Jewish churches. The church has both. You know, I, I get people say, well, you know, I want to attend a Messianic congregation. Well, what, what am I? Okay, this is a Messianic congregation. I'm sorry. I mean, if you take the word Christ and you take the word Messiah, do you realize they are the same words? One is Hebrew and one is Greek. You didn't know you were bilingual, did you? But, but that's the kind of stuff that I, I see all the time. And all of this stirs up because we want to see ceremonies. Why? Are the ceremonies gone? Well, I hate to break the news to you. The temple's been missing since 70 A.D. But you'll watch them now, especially if you see a Jewish family, you know a Jewish family. They will celebrate the Passover, but they, you ask them, well, who's the priest? And what did they conclude? Well, the father is. Why? Anybody know who is of the Levitical line? No. So we'll just make dad. Well, now you're in trouble. So you can see where the pictures, the writer of Hebrews says, the symbolisms of the ceremonies, they are now obsolete. I don't need to go kill a lamb and pass over for my sin. All right. The civil law is gone. All right. But the moral law is forever. It's eternal. But here's what you and I do. They were doing it at the writings of the Corinthian letters. Here's what we do. Moral law. Hmm. 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 There's, hmm. Dude, you know, I was doing good. And then I started coveting that new car. I, I seen a. Uh, a pre-release picture of the 2011 Chrysler 300. Nice car. Okay. It looks pastoral. <laughs> Especially with that Hemi. That means I can get in and out of trouble just as quick as anybody. Right? You know what that is? Coveting. You know, when I look at our churches today and we promote it. Our churches today promote pride. Did you know that? We promote it. We encourage it. And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. Doesn't God's law say that's bad? Well, but you don't understand. I was there for the candlelight service. Oh, well, that makes up for it. Right? I remember evangelical Christians was in 98. 
were encouraging Christians to go to uh, Russia, go to uh, Israel to celebrate the Jubilee celebration, the 50 years of Israel. Why would I do that? I don't know why I do that. And what I see consistently is a lack of understanding between the old and the new covenant. Okay. The Mosaic law. And we've been looking at this. It has glory. You know what its glory is? It kills. That's not exactly the Christmas message I was looking for. It's a murderer. Anyone who stands before the moral law of God is what? Condemned? Do you really believe you can keep it? Because if I look at the law of God, he says, this up here is the standard of righteousness. Okay? Now, all you have to do is keep that and you'll be saved. Knock yourself out. Well, all right. Let's give her a shot. Did you read the fight in print? Anyone who breaks any part of this law by this whole law is condemned? One time? All right. So when I think about the law, the old covenant, the Mosaic law, one of the things that I know emphatically It isn't going to save anyone. It has a ministry of death, verse 7 says. It has a ministry of condemnation, verse 9 says. That's what the law does. That's what the old covenant does. And if you're truly honest with it, if you're truly saved this day, somewhere in your life, God's yeses and noes confronted you and you realized, uh uh-oh. And if you haven't ever come to that place, then please take this with as much love as I can muster. You're not saved. I know people today who walk the aisle every time you ask them to walk the aisle and they don't even know what they're being saved from. Well, how in the world do you get saved? You don't even know. How do you save somebody's drowning who doesn't know they're drowning? They go sit on the bottom of the swimming pool. I don't mind. Just going to stay right here. Any true minister. Now, now please understand when I speak of minister, when the Bible speaks of minister, I am not talking about the guy with the suit and tie. I'm talking about somebody who is saved. If you're saved, you are a minister. If you're saved, you are a servant of Christ. That's what minister means. All right. Any true minister, any true servant of Christ is a servant to the new covenant. And if they try to sell you anything else, understand that they're not God's minister. Gosh, it makes it so simple. Now, you'll get in trouble for it, but it is simple. Listen, the old covenant, the law, made yours and my sin visible. Okay? God says, here's the standard. Now, you know, I remember years ago thinking, if I stop studying the Bible, then I won't be guilty of the stuff that's in there because I won't know. 
But then all of a sudden it dawned on me, I came to that conclusion because I'd already read that if I don't do these things, then uh-oh. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm all right. I just condemn myself by condemning myself. I, it's just a vicious circle. That's why I say stay in the New Covenant. Stay in the New Testament. Why? The old one will bum you out. I... We have eight ways to sh- that hear the glory of the new covenant that show the superiority of the new covenant that sets the old covenant in a proper place. There is a purpose for the old covenant. Even to this day, there's a purpose for the old covenant. The old covenant, I basically look at it right now and say, okay, moral law, how you doing? How you doing? Take any part of it. Just cruise through the Old Testament and see how you do. You know, don't take that extra bar. All that gold from these people we just we just killed all goes to God this time. All right, I'm gonna just keep this one. We call that cheating on your taxes. God told Joshua to take Achan and anybody related to him, even his livestock, and what? Kill him. That sounds like the ministry of condemnation. Okay, verse six, not that we are adequate servants of, 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 the, of ourselves, but he has made us adequate. We are servants of the new covenant. It's not by the letter. Okay? That's that's how we try to make it work. But of the what? It's of the spirit. All right. It is Holy Spirit empowered. The new covenant is Holy Spirit empowered. All right. It is not external. It is internal. All right. In Romans chapter 2, verses 27 to 29, and he who is physically uncircumcised, that's Gentiles, if he keeps the law, will he not judge you who, though having the letter of the law, the rules and the regulations, and circumcisions as a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward of the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but his praise is from God. It's internal. That's why in Romans chapter 8, what does it say? You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Guess why? That makes you, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That's amazing stuff. See, the law, its glory was enough to kill you. That's what it did. That's what its glory was about. Paul is telling us only the spirit gives life. The letter doesn't. I don't care what rules and regulations you put in. I don't care what system you put in. I don't care what method you put in. You can even lift up church tradition. I don't care. It doesn't save you. It's impossible. That's what the law was for. The law was to prove to you it is absolutely impossible for you to save yourself. That's why you had the symbols, the ceremonies. Why? All the ceremonies point to Christ. Why? 
You read the moral law and you all of a sudden dawns on you. Man, I need a savior. That's how it works. And you all sit there and go, well, I don't know. It's If you've got kids, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, kids, you say, don't do this, but do that. And their first response is what? Why? Put a sign on your, on your living room wall and say, wet paint. What are your kids going to do? Is it dry yet? Mom, there's a big handprint on the wall. But isn't it true? You go someplace and you see a sign that says, don't touch. What's your first thought? Why? <laughs> Is it hot? Is it cold? How do you know? All right. I remember one time uh, I used to unload trucks for a living when I was younger. And, and all, this guy backs this truck semi up, tractor trailer up, and he backs it up to the gate that I'm standing on. And I look down, and I always look at the seals, make sure the seal number's right, and the placards, whatever the placards are. Because I could tell by, if it's got like corrosives, then I knew there was a bunch of car batteries in there and all the rest of it. Well, this guy pulled, backs up, and he's got a placard up, and it's radioactive. And I'm sitting there going, What? Okay, and you know, the driver comes around, he's a buddy of mine. Um, Juan Fuentes is his name. He used to eat chicken and there was no bones left when he got done. Creep me out. But anyway, um, I said, Juan, dude, you know, it's against the law to run with the illegal placard out. He said, what? And I said, yeah, you got a radioactive placard. He says, I got a hot load. And I was like, what? This was a Sears distribution center. And I got a truck sitting at my dock with a radioactive placard on it. What is Sears selling now? We have nuclear power, Kenmore dishwashers. Um, and I said, how can you have radioactive? So then I go start going through his manifest to try to find it out. You know what it was? You guys are going to be happy about this. Smoke detectors. I about fell over. I tore my out of my house ever since. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Somebody could do something wrong in my house and explode. When I see that, it dawns on me. There are times when you and I look at stuff and our first response is why? I, I, I have had a chance to preach around the world, different places in the world. And, and when I listen to these people, they read the Bible and they say, okay. You and I, for some reason in the United States, our first response is why? Why is that? Why should a woman cover her head? what it says but why you guys better be real careful you've got to be real careful about it Paul is telling us that the letter the rules and the regulations will never ever ever produce salvation I don't care how many times you go to church, doesn't make you saved. It's like standing in your garage and now you're a car. No, standing inside of a church building does not make you a Christian. I hear numbers. Ninety percent of Americans believe in God. Eighty seven percent believe that they're Christians. Really? I'm 
I'm not buying that one. I'm not going to put much faith in that thing. Not going to put much faith. I went to, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we went out and got our, our son out of Fort Benning, Georgia. And uh, we were driving around Georgia, and every half block was a church. I mean, there was a Baptist church, there's Assembly of God churches, and this church, and this. And I mean, you're sitting there going, man, this is like New Jerusalem with an army base. Okay, but you could look around and you could see other things. There were as many churches as there were liquor stores. Okay, but you see what I'm trying to get at? This is some crazy stuff. It don't work that way, people. Do you understand that? Doing the do's and the don'ts. Have you ever seen the grouchy Christians? You know, they're all like this all the time. Their heads are all wrinkled up. I'm certain Jesus. You know which one I'm talking about? You want to be saved? Not by you. If you're, you know which ones I'm talking about? They're out there everywhere. I'm supposed to be granting out tracts today. Oh, bummer. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Those are the people who have taken a whole list of things. I'm going to do this and do this and do this and do this. And I won't do this and this and this and this. I tell people before I got saved, the only difference between you and me, what you thought about, I did. That's the only difference. All right. And I walked into the church and now it dawned on me. There's a whole bunch of people in the church who are thinking the same thing, but I'm not allowed to do that. And they walk around mad. Romans chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. We looked at this, and I'm, I'm just, I want you to keep this in mind because it's easy at times to take the old covenant and, and say, well, it, it, there was just a bunch of mean people. Okay, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On contrary. I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin taken opportunity through the commandment produced in me, coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Okay, as soon as identified as sin, what does your natural response do? I want more. I want more. I heard a guy preach one time. He said, if you're not going to come to Christ, then you need to get out there and sin just as much as you can. Do everything that you ever dreamed of and do it as often as you can, it crosses your mind. And everybody's sitting there going, what is the pastor saying? Okay. He says, because know this, you will pay for it for eternity. And I was like, well, boy, if I don't... <laughs> At least cause you to take some tums. See, the law informs your conscience. Okay? And then you go tell somebody that they can't, the war begins. The war begins. Because the law cannot produce righteousness. Okay, now, I need you guys to understand what righteousness is. Anytime you see righteous or righteousness, always think of it in this manner. 
right standing before God. Okay? Because I know a bunch of people right now who have their own standard of righteousness. And they're, they're cute because they always want to share it with me. All right? My standard of righteousness is based on what does God say is right. All right? That one there is tough enough without somebody saying, well, I can't believe you ride a motorcycle. You know what? I've looked through the scriptures and I have never found anywhere that it is a sin to ride a motorcycle. Now, it's a sin to push one, but it's not a sin to ride one or trailer one or all them other things that I see out there these days. So when I see the law, why do I preach the law is that I want to keep it as this high standard. Because I want God's righteousness to slay people. I know that sounds awful, doesn't it? That's what I want. I want to bring the word of God on a person. And when they hear it, they go, well, that's mean. Perfect. You're right on course. I had several people who have left this church and they said, you know what? We have listened to you preach. They had been here for a few years and and, and I don't remember exactly. And they said, "And, and we just have to go somewhere else because every time you preach, we feel convicted. You don't see what I'm trying to get at? That's my fault? I don't stand up and name... Names very often. I only do it when you're not here. I bet that improves attendance, doesn't it? (laughs) I ain't leaving. I don't know what he's going to say about me. But you see what I'm trying to get at? If the word of God coming forth is bugging you, perhaps you have a God problem. Okay, because I'm looking at it from the perspective that says... I want to see righteousness, and the only way you get righteousness is to know what is right. I don't come up with these. The law brings a sinner to the knowledge of their sin. And what is God's righteousness? Now then, let's go to Galatians 3. I want you to remember something about Galatians and Romans. We spent some time in Romans, right? Romans is is a doctrinal book, and so is Galatians. Okay, and if you're really honest with yourself, they are almost identical. The difference is in Romans, Paul is happy and looking forward to seeing these people. In Galatians, he's mad at them. Okay, if you if you've been around family, when the two are mad at each other, the conversation is very quick and short and right just like that, isn't it? Okay, if we're happy and it's Christmas and I'm giving presents and, and it's elongated and everything, we're all saying the same things, but we're just taking time about it. When you're mad at somebody, you don't want to take the time. That's the difference between it. And you don't believe me? Check chapter 3, verse 1. <laughs> you tell me Paul ain't mad. Foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? <laughs> I think he's cranky with them. <laughs> it's just something they're bugging him. Verse 2. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Okay, what had happened? They had heard the law. They bowed in 
begging God's mercy, and they believed in Christ as Savior. And then what did they try to do? Perfect it by works. Look in the church today. That is alive and well and thriving. Okay? See, what we're looking for is righteousness. The old covenant, the law of God, the Mosaic law produces condemnation. The Mosaic law produces death. The Mosaic law has absolutely no ability to save you. Let me ask you a question. You think I'm, I'm kidding with you. How was Abraham saved? By faith. Okay. In the law? No, the law hadn't even been written. Okay. Well, how, how did he realize he was a sinner in need of a Savior and he believed God would provide? Remember? Laying the kid on the altar. All right. Its purpose is to reveal sin. To lead the repentant sinner to faith in God. Plead to God for gracious forgiveness that is possible in the sacrifice of Christ. Okay? That's what the law does. It condemns me. Okay? It kills me. Okay? Verse 21, chapter 3. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. That's like saying, no, 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 no. May it never be. For if the law had been given, which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on the law. Okay, if it had that ability, he says, you know what? Then all you have to do is keep it and everything will be copacetic. But the law is set up by God because he knows you and I are of the flesh and the law is of the spirit. Go back. Jesus said it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It is what comes out of him that defiles him. He says, you know what? You say I have not committed adultery. He says, if you have looked at a woman in a lustful way, you have what? Committed adultery. It is because it is your Flesh and the law is spirit and you've got to start there. Okay, righteousness is not based on the law. Right standing with God is not based on the law. The law is not contrary to the promises of God. Life everlasting is a promise of God. Salvation is a promise of God. The thing is, is that the law can't produce it. It just shows you you need it. I see people in the church today who their wife left them, their dog died, their husband left them, they lost their house, they lost their job, they whatever, fill in the blank, and they want Jesus to help them. And let me tell you something. That's wrong. That is absolutely wrong. It's, it's like he's your genie. You know, I've had a series of bad luck. Maybe if I go to church for a week or so, I'll get me some good luck. I've run into guys who says, do you have any single women in your church? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't really thought about it. Well, you know, I've been running around, kind of have a living in life, and I'm thinking now I want to get married. I'd like to find me a good Christian woman to marry. And I was like, well, I don't think you'll find one in my church. 
Not that there's no good Christian women in this church. <laughs> but I ain't going to let it happen. I, I, I'll look them in the eye and say, you know what? You are a wolf trying to steal one of God's sheep, and there is a consequence to that. And that consequence is I will not do your funeral. <laughs> no. <laughs> See, the law is not contrary to God's promises. It can't make it happen. That's the problem. If it could, then righteousness would have been by the law, and it can't. Abraham was saved by faith. David was saved by faith. Go read the 50 series Psalms right there where David realizes his sin. He says, you know what? He had just had Uriah murdered, and... He's got this woman now that's going to have a baby and he hasn't married her yet. All right. And he says, against you, Lord, and you alone, I have sinned. Now, I bet if you took a Uriah and asked him, he would probably disagree with that. But he understood that his sin was before who? God. Before God. Verse 10 of this text. For it has been written, as of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written... And then he quotes Deuteronomy 27, 26. Cursed is everyone who does not abide. The word abide is to remain by all things written in the book of the law. To perform them. To perform them. Even being a Jew with the, the civil identity doesn't save you. Doing the ceremonies, the externals, the symbols, the pictures, the types does not save you. Couldn't save you. Were never set up to save you. And the problem is, as soon as you do it wrong once, you're cursed. You're cursed. Break one, one time, and the law has condemned you. It has killed you. You are done. The law isn't going to save you. Now, let's think about this for a second, because people say, well, you know, I broke the law before I got saved and and it didn't, didn't kill me. Let me ask you a question. God told Adam, if you eat of this fruit, what would happen? You would surely die. Okay, right. We all agree with that. All right. He ate of the fruit. What happened? He died, but it was a spiritual death. You know how I know that? He thought he could hide from God. They go hide in the jungle? Really? And what happens is when we are condemned by the law, what happens? We die spiritually. Let me tell you something. I know Christians right now who have rebelled against God, at odds against God, and are absolutely clueless and are useless. And they don't understand why. Why? God is not honoring it. That rebellion has separated you from me in the beginning. You have come under the blood of Jesus Christ. Now you're acting like a... You're not there? Guess what? I'll treat you like you're not there. And that's what we do. It isn't going to save you. Verse 19. Why the law then? It was added because of the transgressions. Having been ordained through angels by the agencies of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. Do you understand that? The angels helped bring us the law. And there was a promise. There was a seed. 
seed of woman. It isn't going to save you. And the law was added because of the continuation of transgressions. I mean, you would think if God drowns the human population with Noah, then you've got his ancestors come out. They would made a mental note someplace that, you know what? We shouldn't follow that path again. Nate read 1 Corinthians 10 and it says, Israel was given to you as what? As an example of what not to do. Look at the church today. She hasn't read that. Why? We keep throwing people into systems and methods and pictures and ceremonies so that they will perform outwardly and you don't have anything going on inwardly. That's amazing. The law came to define sin. God brought it and it drives the sinner to despair. That sounds awful. I thought God was love. He is. That's why he gave us the law to show us we needed a savior. Verse 21. If the law then is contrary to the promises of God, may it never be. No, no. If the law had been given, which was able to be impart life, then righteousness. It had been based on the law. And he just went over that. No, it's impossible. You can't do it. The law shut me up. Look, drop down verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept in custody. It's an interesting phrase. Don't you think that's an interesting phrase? It, it sort of means there's a cop in, you know, all of the trappings. You were in custody under the law, being shut up to faith, which was later to be revealed. Drop down. Verse 24. Therefore, the law became our... King James translates it, schoolmaster. Schoolmaster. Tutor. I remember I had an English teacher. We just didn't seem to see eye to eye about anything. And we were doing a test and I was trying to figure out who cares about participles and verbs and adverbs and, you know, conjunctions and whatever. And we had to do a test. Now, I am I, I'm braver than all of you. I'll tell you, I was cheating. I had my little cheat sheet sit there under my desk. And her main name was Mrs. DiMatteo. I'll never forget her. She was. Ugh. Anyway, I'm still scarred over it. Um, anyway, he goes, and all of a sudden I stuck my hand in there to get that little sheet of paper again. And that desk lid just went bam on my hand. And I was like, what in the, and there she stood just with this funny looking look on her face. And of course I had a funny looking look on my face. And every time I read schoolmaster, I think of her. Why? I don't want you doing that. I don't want you doing it. I thought she'd left the room. There I go thoughting again, but it keeps us in custody. Why? Don't do that. My grandma, did, I, I grew up kind of in the country, in uh, uh, hillbilly country. Um, my grandma used to carry switches. Do you know switches? Okay. What an invention. I, I mean, you don't have to go far to find one. Um, and, and you always prayed that it was an old one. 
The new fresh ones, if she cut a green one, huh. All right. And she used to do that because the boys would all get together, the cousins and all of us get together, and we needed to be tutored. Okay? And she would take a switch to you. All right? Why? I guess we call it discipline. What does the law do? Disciplines. They take a switch to you or slap the desk on your fingers. Why? Because you're not doing it. Ain't that what the law does? That's not what the terminology that Paul is here. Keeps you in custody. The law became your schoolmaster, your tutor to lead us to Christ. Why? So we can be justified in Him. Why? You couldn't find Christ with a GPS map. When I see people coming to Christ because, well, I lost my job. You know what? I don't think He creates jobs. I think your problem is bigger than you ain't got a job or you ain't making enough or you ain't getting this or you ain't getting that. But he uses a phrase there in verse 23, but before faith came. That's an interesting phrase. The law as our schoolmaster, as our tutor, it was, for lack of a better term, a moral guardian. Have you ever, you ever seen people, have you ever done something and there's just something about it you knew, God, I'm not thinking this just ain't right. You guys have never done that. <laughs> I see a lot of people who get involved with um, drugs and, and alcohol and, and things like that. And I believe firmly that the basis that they do that on is that they're trying to numb the conscience. They know that if I go do that, that's going to bug me. So if I get a buzz on before I go, it won't bug me as much. I believe that emphatically. That's what we do. Why? This ain't right. This is bugging me. I don't want to do this. That's all right. Take a pill. Snort a line. Drink a shot. It'll all be better in the morning. Minute. You know, and my, before I came to salvation, I remember you go to the bars and, and you get there early, uh, and, and nobody's dancing. You know, half a bottle of Jack Daniels later, everybody's dancing. And they all should have stayed with the no dancing. Okay? Why is that? See what I'm trying to get at? Why? We have boundaries. We have this moral guardian. And our conscience bothers us. So we figure out ways to get around our conscience. That's when people come to me and say, Pastor, when can a Christian get divorced? When you die, <laughs> they go, what? And I said, well, you know, do you have something you could read? Yeah, Hosea. Highly recommend it. Why? Because this moral guardian leads us to Christ. All of a sudden, one time we wake up and we realize, you know what? I can't do any of this right. Have you ever heard this? Homosexuality is an abomination to God. You ever heard that? Well, amen, brother. Deuteronomy. Amen, brother. Have you ever read the text? I really suggest you read the text. All right, because it is. But Moses is contrasting it with lying. 
which would say that lying is a an abomination to God. Hmm. Interesting concept, don't you think? I believe that if you're truly honest with scriptures, you would find out that any sin is what? An abomination to God. But see, you and I like to say, well, that's ceremony, and that's not, you know, that's, that's, that's all right. Do you understand that it was pride that got him kicked out of the garden? Do you understand it was the collapse of the Israel, the, the single nation of Israel was pride? One of David's sons thought he should be king. The other son said, I should be king. And they all became and fought over it. And it was all caused by pride. And yet in the church today, we will teach people, you just have a low self-esteem. Really? A low self-esteem. I am 54 years old. I have never met anybody with a low self-esteem. Ever. Ever. Why? It's pride. Your children have pride. You ever seen kids when they're growing up? They have pride. Don't they? Who teaches them that? You don't think they got pride? Why would they lie when they get busted? It's pride. It's pride. Verse 25. Now that faith has come. What does it say? We are no longer under a tutor. We are no longer under a guardian. We are no longer under a schoolmaster. We are no longer under custody. The end of this text in 2 Corinthians, what does it say? Where the Spirit is, there is liberty. Why? You're not under, Mrs. DiMatteo. All right? You don't have English quizzes no more. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay? The law has its glory because it brought you and I to Christ, and now the law is written in our hearts by the Spirit. It is now internal. We now can fulfill it, Romans 8 tells us. We fulfill the law by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the new covenant. But you've got to have this condemnation to say, I need help. As a man, uh, this one of my big struggles. Now, like I said, I've, I've already conquered it. I don't know. It's not cheating on an English test. Um, is asking for help. I know no men in this room ever struggle with that. But that's a struggle of mine. Okay, asking for help. Um, I do this work on motorcycles, and every once, every once in a while, I got a constant stream of these big stinking baggers. Okay, and they, they're just short of needing two more wheels. All right, and I have to, you know, most time when I get them, they don't run, and I have to get help rolling them up on the ramp that I lift them up so I can work on them. Well, um, my sons are gone now, and I've got my wife and daughter. And, I, you know, these guys bring me these bags. What is it? Electric Glide Classic. It's a nice one. Oh, gee. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's sort of like, here, let me push a car up on this ramp. <laughs> All right. And, and it is difficult to ask for help. Now, I know you guys don't do this. Your pastor struggles with it. Okay. There's times I just need help. You know, and I, so I try to square it around when, you know, and, and what is weird is, is all these guys got these big baggers. They've all just had back surgery. And so they're no help. 
And I, you, you're riding it wrong if you've got back surgery. Um, but why don't we ask for help? Pride? It can be pride. Yeah, absolutely. But there comes a time when the tutor shows up and says, Yo, dummy, ask for help. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll give you a friend. I'm learning. Um, I had a bunch of logs, big honking logs, about like this. Big, stinking logs. I mean, some of them was that dead tree out there. And it just, yeah. And I mean, I had a pile of them, a big old pile of them, and enough to fill up uh, about cab high in the back of my little Dakota. Okay, and you know I was letting them dry out, and so they didn't. So I just if you ignore them; they'll go away. Um, and uh, they didn't. So one day I get out there and I said, "I need to split these. Not, there's no way that I can get these in the fireplace, so I'll split them." So I take the axe out and commence to wailing on it. After about four hours in one log, I said, "Oh, this gives a whole new meaning to perpetual motion here." So uh, there's a guy that I've been working on his motorcycle, and he's, he's, he's a fun guy. And he had mentioned that he had a log splitter. And I called him up and said, hey, can I use your log splitter? And he said, yeah, if you want to take it to your house, you can do whatever. So <clears throat> I go over to his house with my pickup truck full of logs. And uh, he shows me this little table thing that he's got. I can roll them out of the back of the truck onto this table and then roll them over to the splitter and lift the little button. Boom! And I was like, well, I did all of those logs in about 40 minutes. Okay? And all I could think of was, God, I'm glad I asked for help. <laughs> all right? Why? God will take you to the place where he says, you ain't got no option here, people. Isn't that what he did in your salvation? My salvation, I'll share this with you one more time, was in a what they call public housing. Okay, I had a little steel toilet and a little steel bed and a little bitty thing, room with concrete floor. There was nobody saying, come as you are. There wasn't nobody preaching the word. There was nothing happening. Nothing. And there I was. Just a kid. And I said, God, I've always believed in you. And I've just made a mess of this thing. Please save me. I wasn't making a deal. Lord, you know, if you get me out of jail, we'll be good. I just wanted to be saved. I believed in God. That's it. That's all I had. Okay, and I didn't even know there was such a thing as a sinner's prayer. Romans chapter 3 says, By the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified. The law just brings about the knowledge of, please be specific, your sins, my sins. We like to take the law and show everybody else's sin. See, you're sinning. Okay? That's why Paul calls the law, the Mosaic law, a ministry, a service of death. Okay, back to our text. The ministry of death and letters engraved on stone. Stop right there. 
engraved on stone. What is that? Don't worry about it. We'll pick it up next week. Let's pray. Father, I just give you the glory for your word, for your spirit. And Father, that uh, at one time we stood condemned. Father, let us who are called by your names, who are servants of a new covenant, let us rejoice that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that, Father, that we have a freedom now that mankind can't even understand. Help us, Lord. Help us to be that bright, shining light in this lost and dying world. May we understand, Lord, the amazement of the new covenant of grace and mercy and the love of Christ poured into the hearts of your people. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. I praise you for this day. I praise you for these precious souls. And Father, let us walk worthy of our calling. In Christ's name, amen.